Welcome to Bro Trek, the only pro Bernie Sanders Star Trek podcast from two brothers. I'm Ed. I'm Nick. Shall we engage? Make it bro. Alright, so Super Tuesday was yesterday, and I know I, for one, uh, ended up very depressed by the end of the night, and um, was sad using the computer online. It was no good. Yeah, it was fucking terrible, depressing. I'm totally gonna, you know, not enjoy voting for Donald Trump this year. <laughs> Hopefully it won't come to that. Hey, at least Bloomberg's out. That's it. So there's two, a couple upsides here, right? One, Bloomberg is gone. Bloomberg would have been the worst president and, like, would have actually been an effective fascist as opposed to Trump who just gets distracted by Chrissy Teigen being rude to him um, and then spends, spends, you know, two months being mad about that. Um, but uh, the, the other upside is... Uh, the only candidate left standing is Joe Biden. And people forget Joe Biden sucks and is an idiot. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like the last time people were like paying attention to him and like he was getting a lot of like, I don't know, like uh, pr- uh, attention and pressure, he fucking just totally collapsed. It wasn't until everyone had moved on to like yelling at, yelling at Pete Buttigieg and then yelling at Bloomberg that Biden kind of had room for a comeback as the default choice. Like, He's a stupid, and he's got a bad history, like of doing stupid things and not knowing what he's talking about. I just, I think when Bernie, it can just pour all of his heat onto one dude, find all the, point out all the flaws about how Biden wants to cut Social Security and says really weird shit to people and literally has dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that will make it very much easier for uh, for Bernie to knock this guy out because we still got like. We still got a bunch of big states. We got you know Washington next week, the week after that we've got or in uh, Washington and Michigan next week. Yeah, uh, I mean things could certainly that, change. Illinois and New York and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean last you know two days ago, everybody was saying Biden doesn't have a chance. So I mean, mm-hmm. I I do realize that, but I'm not giving it very much credence. I feel like everything is lost. No, Nick, Nick, you got to have some optimism. Uh, you gotta have some optimism. You gotta disgusting. have uh, what is what is the line? Um, uh, uh, pessimism of the mind and optimism of the will. Uh, so you have to understand that these things these things can go wrong, uh, and be aware of all those places they can go wrong, but feel that you've got the power to the the will to power through all of it. And uh, you know, you've got to go to BernieSanders.com slash call and make those phone calls and harangue people in Michigan and Washington State and get out and canvas etc. So well, Bernie's having a big route. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, just so we're being um, uh, absolutely, or following the way of absolute candor, I think we should cut Social Security for the fucking rich people who still draw it. You know, they, people, what do they, over their lifetime, people take in or take back four to six times more than they put in, in taxes. Yeah. And there isn't a cutoff. You can be living... So, to, you can be yeah, living no. rich and still draw on Social Security. Well, I would say there's two ways to solve that. The first one is we need to put a, we need to remove the cap on the Social Security payroll tax so that right now, like if you make, well, I don't know where it is, it's somewhere around $150,000, but whether you make $150,000 or $300,000 a year, you pay, once you hit the cap, you pay the same amount of payroll tax towards Social Security every year. We got to get rid of that. If you're making a million dollars a year, you should be paying more okay. yeah. than someone who's so making. So that, that's what I feel. It, it's not necessarily yeah. cut it. We should make it non 
bullshit and you know add some equity to the to the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you do that, by the way, that basically fixes all of the whole like those quote unquote social securities running out of money stuff. Yeah, you just tax the rich people more and problem solved. Like everything else. Uh, the other flip of it is. You know, you still pay taxes on your Social Security, and so we just need to raise the taxes on rich people and just tax, like, they still get the Social Security check, and then we tax it away. That's the easy solution. Problem solved. Done. If, they're, if they have an income, but if they don't have an income and they're just living off of wealth, you know, you know wealth that's in trust and from their you yeah. know, other entities and things, they're not getting taxed at all. They're just taking Social Security. No, you're right, but that's why we need to uh, treat capital gains just as other income and tax that away, too. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast the other day, and they were discussing the the actual implications of wealth removal, basically, like the wealth tax and things like that. I, I'm kind of hesitant to say that I'm for the clawing back of private property in a direct way. You know, their indirect ways are fine, where you're not actually taking their money or their wealth or their property. You know, like uh, say if somebody's net worth is so much, then they owe this much in wealth tax now. You know, that that could cause somebody who's like living on the fringe to have to sell, you know, some old lady to have to sell the house she's lived in for, you know, however many years just so she could pay that tax. Um, I mean, that is a theoretical problem that there are tons of practical solutions to. The first one is... Like with wealth taxes, just like income, you don't start paying it on the first dollar. You generally have a fairly large, um, like exception before you have to start paying it, right? Well, that, that's so what you, I'm getting. You can at also is, do things like that exclude I, primary residences from wealth taxes and things like that. Right. I all I'm saying is that uh, I, I, I I'm not completely comfortable with it anymore after you know hearing some well thought out arguments uh, in. You know that discuss the problems with it, mm-hmm. though mm-hmm. Um, I'm certainly for it uh, in 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 the real world uh, or in the long run. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know I guess that's why I'm voting two, for Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so two points to that. I mean, the first one is every tax scheme, whatever that method, whatever method of getting tax, there's always going to be weird edge cases where you sure. think about it, and you know, in sure. the aggregate, it all makes sense. But this one specific yeah, the, scenario, the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. yeah, you always are going to have that, right? doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a sales tax, property tax, income tax, wealth tax, whatever it is. The other part of it is, like, one of the reasons you want to have a wealth tax is not just to raise money, but because the people that have that level of money, they have it because they took it away from the working class, right? Because we've had, uh, you know, y- centuries of, of rich people getting too much and poor people not getting enough. And that's been exacerbated through low taxes on the rich and high taxes on the poor over the past, like, 40 years. And that's been exacerbated by, like, you know, low low wages to people and all this other stuff. Like, that money is not really Jeff Bezos's or whatever or just you know, mm-hmm. random guy you've never heard of who, whose family has owned a factory for a generation. That's not their money. They didn't earn it. They took it. So we need to take it back. <laughs> so that was a strategic little uh, 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 Bernie Sanders gouge there so I could get you to ramble on about him for a little bit because we haven't actually discussed politics at all. All I've done yeah, is I said know. booty jegs and <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> vibe and Biden and talk shit. So anyway, thanks for enlightening yeah. all our viewers out yeah. there and our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's, let's, uh, let's all get out there and 
yeah vote for donald trump and make america great again <laughs> we got End of the to, episode i i think one thing i am very excited about i just found out today that bernie sanders is coming to chicago for a big rally on saturday and so i i was down from yesterday and i was like trying to like psych myself up no if you think about it this way it's good and but then i saw that finally that rally came through that finally like swung at the other way i was like all right all right now i got something to get excited for to get ready for uh gonna gonna finally see uh get some big bernie energy in the flesh um so so let's get into the episode uh so quick synopsis from memory alpha the only good website on the internet Picard and the crew track down Soji to the Borg cube in Romulan space, resurfacing haunting memories for Picard. Meanwhile, Narek believes he finally found a way to safely exploit Soji for information. Um, before we get into our overall reactions, I did have one follow-up from last week. So we had talked about uh, whether or not the woman wearing a mask um, who was, uh, who was uh, tr- killed the Borg at the... The, the, the one that was taking the parts, the that seven of nine Yeah, taking the parts out. Yeah, we thought that might have been Agnes, but uh, afterwards I looked you up uh, that. the credits. I knew um, that looked up... the actress wasn't the same person the whole time. No. Totally, you're right. Yeah, so it was played wrong. by a different actress. Again, that doesn't mean that it wasn't Agnes, right? They could have even had the same actress, like or a different actress, as like a um, you know to kind of throw people off the scent. But I, probably not. Probably yeah. not. It probably is not. Probably is not Agnes. So, overall, what was your reaction to this episode? By far the best episode, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Like, it, it was like the climax of a movie. Uh, you know, a good yeah. movie. There, it was terrifying. Whenever, the, you know, Picard went into the Borg ship, I was just like, oh, man, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go up there. And then, uh, you know, there were several other really, you know, good, powerful scenes that move the plot in the direction that I didn't necessarily know I wanted it to go, but want it to go quickly. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd say it was the best episode. It was definitely one of the best. It's kind of up in that same tier as like the first episode and then the episode last week that I really liked. Um, but but I think in terms of like moving the plot along, this is the one that finally, you like you said, we're finally getting some like stuff's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um also had some really incredible like character work around Picard. The performance he gives was so good. The performance Hugh gives is so good. Just great performances all around, including the stuff that's usually the worst part, which is the Narek Soji stuff, which has just been like kind of eye roll and boring. And then this one, they actually it's like it was really really affecting. Yeah, like they they gave really good performances. You finally. It fi- stuff that they had been doing for weeks finally made sense. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was really happy with that. So, I guess we, uh, I'm also just really excited that we are moving past all the lame stuff. The whole, you know, Narek, like, futzing around with Soji and, and then his sister and all that stuff was just so incredibly tedious. And now it's done, right? Hopefully, um, we won't have something just as bad replacing it. But Soji, Soji and Picard left. The board cube, so whatever's coming next is something different. Yeah, it sounds like we've got two real storylines as opposed to a bunch of threads that they're attempting to weave together to make a, a good one. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I can't wait until... What what time does it come out at? 1 o'clock tonight? Um, <laughs> I think uh, 2 a.m. 2 a.m., yeah. I think. I mean, I'll watch it tomorrow sometime, but uh, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's two because it drops at midnight Pacific time, which is two two a.m. Uh, Central time. Right. Um. So show opens up with a, with a uh, Soji having a dream uh, when she's a kid. Um. I thought that was a really well you know well interesting shot, very like horror movie you know, and I thought that worked. I thought the kid uh, was both a good kid actor. This show's had good luck with these like kid actors that they cast. Also, just good casting. Re- legitimately looked like a kid version of the actress that plays Soji. What did you think of that little, um, that opening thing? But yeah, no, it was cool. Um, and, you know, that was like the most boring part. Like, uh, as soon as the dream ends, you know, her dad turns mm-hmm. and says, Soji! And then she pops into bed with Narek. And then they were, they were, they were doing that tedious, you know, unenjoyable uh, part of their storyline. They're, they're just sitting there and he's trying to, you know, pillow talk her and, um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was boring, but it ended up being pretty badass. Yeah. I think that I, one thing I kind of think is interesting is the idea that Romulus have a true secret name that they don't tell anyone. Like, I guess that's kind of cool. That definitely gets at, at, at this, like three names. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the public name, the family name, and then the private, the secret name. And I mean, that gets at the whole like secrecy obsession that drives their entire culture and kind of helps, I think, something that was never super explicit in, in the previous episode with the idea that secrecy kind of plays the part in Romulan culture that logic that logic plays in um, Vulcan culture. Um, so then we jump back to uh, the Sarita, uh, the La Serena, um, and you get, you know, Gerardi telling Picard about Maddox dying. I don't know if it was the actress if it was supposed to be this way, but her lying was totally not believable at all. It was like she was so transparently lying to Picard and he was just like, yeah, sure. Okay, good. Well, I think it was him giving her the benefit of the doubt. He's like, this is hard for you, isn't it? Because you're acting really weird. So I'm going to say this is hard for you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess he's... He doesn't know her. He doesn't know that they were a couple. He just knows that this dude died in front of her. And, you know, if he doesn't know anything about her, like, he could be... It's just assuming... Because that would be traumatic, right? That would be a traumatic thing to experience. But um, but maybe that was, in, that was part of it. Maybe Picard's like, I don't have time to deal with this shit. And he actually knows. And uh, whenever... Um, uh, what's the... What's Legolas's name? Um Elnor. Elnor. Elnor's like, how did he not know that? I'm going to tell her that he he must have made a mistake. He doesn't see that you're lying to him. <laughs> that he's not yeah. That's what he does, the in-budding line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are right, though. Like, Picard is pretty clearly one-track mind at this point. Yeah. You know, like, he's he is... He got the information he needs about Maddox... Got the information he needs from Maddox about where Soji is, so, like... Maddox is dead now. Yeah, that sucks. But eh. um, ditto, you know, later on when uh, Rafi is clearly in a bad state and he is just like, cool, thanks for getting me the uh, passport to go to Romulan space. Moving on now. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) I did really like Picard's fear and anger about the idea of going back to the Borg Cube. Like all throughout this, his like intense reactions to it are so, so good and so real because, like, I can't even imagine how traumatic having been a, the first person to be Borged and then deborged would have been. And also, like, his being uh, brought into the Borg, like, caused the deaths of thousands and thousands of fellow Starfleet officers. 
um, when you know the Borg uh, used him to try to, to get past Earth defenses, like just the fact that he is so incredibly freaked out about it is such a is played so well. Like when he goes back and he's like you know looking up Borg on Google on Wikipedia and scrolling through the images, um, and you have that that incredible visual where like the the picture of him as Lacutus is overlaid on his face through the like hollow screen thing oh and he touches his face and it's like that is what an old man looks like when he touches his face like it was Mm -hmm. it was like raw and like uh, it's a little too real you know yeah and Uh, he's not just touching his face he's like feeling for these like implants that are they're gone but they're always there they're like a phantom limb Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the uh incredible stuff uh except for elnor being weird i just like they said they set up this really interesting new kind of character and then you know except for when he's being like a a killer like he's kind of a weird a weird like jokey kid character you know he's supposed to be like you know whatever like 18 or 19 or something but sometimes he does act a bit more 12 and it's just a, a it's a weird sense of humor that just doesn't quite jive with the rest of the show yeah, it's, it seems to me it's a really poorly forced, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, comedy. You know, they're trying to put him yeah. in there as a laugh track and just doesn't work. And it seems demean- demeaning to his character. His character should be badass. But yeah, and his characters should also be like legitimately like, like pathetic in the sense, in the traditional sense, and that you should feel sorry for him. Because he has had a shit life and he has been abandoned, and now his like his the closest he's ever had to a dad just like rolls up and is like, "Hey, can you help me do some work?" And he's like, I, "Yeah, sure, anything for you, dad." And you know, and it, it, even then, his dad's not that engaged with him because his dad's more worried about Soji than he is about Elnor. But um, then again, and, that's kind of how people treated Data. Um, you know, like, oh, Data, you don't understand things. You're just a stupid android. And, you know, that's part of his personality that he developed is knowing that he doesn't want to commit some sort of uh, social faux pas because he knows he doesn't understand humans completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, uh, uh, you know, in that book that I'm reading, they make fun of him a couple different times. Um, And even though he, in the end, is the one that does all the work and saves everybody. Yeah, you know, I think, I think that's what they're going for. I just don't feel like it works as well with Elmore right. as it did with Data, obviously. But I mean, it's hard to it's hard to do that because Data is like one of the all time great fictional characters, you know, and uh, Elnor, you know, not yet at least. But maybe some of this stuff they just have to find something to do with him because he's going to be important in the next couple episodes, and we'll actually get some real, real something out of him. But yeah. we shall see. So then we have some uh, sexy soccer practice. Um, I thought the chemistry between uh, Rios and uh, Girardi was like actually really good. Like I thought that was a, you know, like a good scene of these people like sharing just this crazy, crazy scenario that they're in and trying to find some way to get through it. Uh, it's unclear if they actually went off to bone or not. Um, I think they probably did, uh, especially yeah. after Eldor's like the. Sexual tension between the two of you is distracting. Uh, he didn't say sexual <laughs> yeah, tension. But, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, no, it was obvious. Their their interaction was kind of, uh, uh, you know, it was it was uncomfortable. But it was also exactly what 
two awkward people who just want to do it, but they don't really know how to approach each other. And it's all yeah. a little, little awkward. And uh, Yeah, yeah. But that's where my favorite line comes from, is after she's kissed him, and she says uh, something about, like, I've, um, oh, she's like, ah, well, I've never had, or I've never slept with the captain of anything before. And Rios is like, all right. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good line. Rios yeah. has got—he's got good vibes. I, that guy's got—he's uh, got some uh, fun energy. Uh, he's out there um, working out, and yeah. his only drink is a flask. He pulls out of nowhere. Want a drink? No, it was funny. <laughs> it was a good scene. It was. It was. So uh, on a less good scene, we go to Narek and his sister talking about um, you know revealing um, or how. Uh, Soji's dream will figure out will help him figure out where the, the, the this, all the secrets and stuff and this I would say is the best scene between those two yet um, but that's because there's no weird sex stuff or very little of it <laughs> and it's mostly just kind of moving the plot along rather than like you have to do the thing no uh, I'm gonna do the thing but not yet um, also he's playing with a Rubik's Cube a Romulan Rubik's Cube the whole time and it, it had a cool look it looked really cool it was a cool little puzzle box Oh no! I wish I had a box like that, minus the death radiation. Yeah, well, the, when you, you see it at the beginning, it didn't have death radiation, and it. it had just like a little figure or something like that. Just a little, yeah, I don't know. It was supposed to be a toy or what? But um, so then we have another really good sequence where Raffi uh, kind of does her only thing this episode, which is uh, being dragged out of bed to uh, persuade a, her a contact at Starfleet to give Picard like diplomatic credentials so he could go to the Borg cube and. That was a cool scene. Just them trying to figure out, how, like, how they're gonna get on this Romulan board cube, and then her rolling up with a vaping in one hand, bottle of whiskey in the other, and uh, she does the damn thing. Um, totally like like burns it burns it a long friendship to do it, but she does it. So uh, in that scene, right before then, before uh, Rafi you know, is brought mm-hmm. into it. Um, Girardi says, you know, walks in. She's like, I've got an idea of how to get us on there. We can use my science credentials. And Picard just dismisses that. And she looks at him several times and is just upset. And I yeah. I wonder if the next thing she does is going to betray them somehow um, beyond what she might have killed uh, Maddox for. Maybe she killed Maddox for what she thought was an altruistic reason or what needed to be done. Yeah. She didn't, it wasn't personal. It wasn't what she wanted to do. But now she feels like she's, you know, been betrayed herself or, um, I don't know. I don't know. There, there was looks there that, that seemed, you know, pointed. I wonder what they're for. Yeah, I think you're onto something with that because, you know, you're right. She did kind of react weirdly. Um, I think you're you're also right in that it's, she's probably not doing any of this stuff out of malice. She probably thinks she's doing the right thing in, all the way up to including killing this killing an ex boyfriend. Um, but at the same time, I think like like she probably knows a lot more than she's been letting on. Like she probably know knew that they were going to need to go to the board cube before Picard even told her. Right? Like Commodore O knew where so presumably knew where Soji was. And maybe when she she told that to Agnes, 
so that, you know, Agnes would know what was going on. And so they didn't actually even need to go get Maddox to find out where Soji was. Gerardi already knew. She just couldn't say that. Um, and she maybe Commander O gave her a plan. Like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is, you know, give the Romulans a week and a nod, and they'll totally let you on. And then Picard just blew right past it for plan B. Uh, on the other hand, maybe Picard does suspect her. You know, the fact that he didn't let her. Because she is, like, legitimately the kind of scientist that would need to go there. Like, maybe he knew something was up with her, or at least had a sense that something was up. And that was why he didn't use her as a way to get on the ship. Because hmm. then he wouldn't wouldn't have uh, even, even a semblance of privacy about this stuff, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious to see where... Because she, you know, when... Whenever the next episode starts, you have, uh, you know, Rios and Rafi and Gerardi are going to be on the ship um, trying to, you know, and then, you know, who knows where what happens with Elnor. Maybe he, you know, we'll figure that out. But, um, and then, you know, Picard's gone. Like, Picard and, and uh, Soji go through the, you know, the portal to land on the planet that they mention later. And um, so, like, what's, is, what's Gerardi's out going to be? How is she going to... Is she going to be able to like keep keep her cover um, if they as they if they get captured by the Romulans, you know? Because like they're on a Borg ship, they're right next to a Borg ship. The Romulans can just take them. Why not? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting so, to see. So, uh, oh yeah. So one of the things I liked was Picard clapping at the end about you know kind of showing like excitement about that. Rafi pulled off this really like you know. Uh, Really, really pull this out of her ass with getting them the right credentials, which I think either shows either shows uh, either A or B. A, um, he is just totally mind on the mission, is like not paying attention to the human beings around him, or B, um, he is like desperate, desperate. Yeah, like he he is he's not even caring at this point, you know, um, and just ha- trying to plow through all this stuff just to get to this point and is willing to sacrifice people, which doesn't seem like the Picard we know, but like clearly something's something's off here. Um, and because she, she she like is totally fucked up, and and it is taking a huge chunk of her to go do this, and he's just like, yeah, you did it, that's great. Um, Rios gets it though, and I think we see that a bit later that he actually kind of have a, has a sense of how what kind of bad place she's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. We get a whole scene, you know, a couple of of Narek like convincing Soji that there's something wrong with this, like, uh, and basically negging her, like he's a pickup artist, um, and like mystery. The, the, he is, he is also mystery. Uh, there's yeah. just a lot of I don't know why pickup artist stuff is uh, seems so relevant in this show, but it is. Um, I did like the idea of like he's like, hey. Uh, so you got flagged as an anomaly. It definitely wasn't me spying on you. You just got shown up on the list of anomalies, and uh, all your calls are seventy seconds, huh? That's weird. Um, that I think was was actually like a, a, a semi believable way to do that. And I oh no, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. I was like, well, duh, that would be flagged. You know, it, it, in the future, it doesn't take much to pick out you know patterns, and mm-hmm. you know. It, that's definitely the type of thing that's going to be picked up. The same call to the same person every night at the same time for the exact length of time. It's poor yep. programming on Maddox's part, but uh, know. he should have, you know, copy and pasted that randomizer program. Uh, let's do uh, 120 seconds today. Yeah. 
that anyway. mom AI is not not a very good AI. <laughs> I also liked the scene of her like scanning all of her belongings and finding out that they're all you know about three years old. I like the idea of this like. Uh, oh, let me grab my handheld carbon dating machine, you know? <laughs> That's just easy to have. Of course, maybe in the future, though, you know, all cell phones will have a carbon dating machine um, in addition to a GPS and all. In a, I mean, it seems like a tricorder basically did everything. Yeah. And she's yeah. a scientist on a highly, um, like a high-level science mission. So I, I don't see why she wouldn't. But one thing that did surprise me is that she didn't scan herself that I saw. And, um, so yeah, it just seems sort of strange, but then again, once your mind been so far, you may not want to push it, man. Whenever I was watching <laughs> that scene, I felt for her. I was, it was an empathetic moment cause I've done a lot of psychedelics and there have been times when I just like, I, I knew that the world was different than what I had thought. And it was a traumatic experience during those that, that time wherever I thought that um, not necessarily bad traumatic but just boom things are different <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I was like oh man Soji I feel bad for you that sucks it'd be weird to yeah. all of a sudden know that you're not real <laughs> yeah I can totally believe that man like just I, I remember I was, I was just listening to NPR one, you know a couple months ago and there's some story about these two twins that um figured out that they might have the order at some point when they were kids they got switched and it's not like like you know one of them thought he he was whatever like the oldest and his name was bob and the other one thought he was the youngest and his name was will and then they find out wait a minute we actually i might be the oldest will and you might be the youngest bob and does it mean anything no they're still the same person they've always been but it's this like basic bit of their identity that it just all of a sudden got flipped yeah Yeah. And it was very like weird and traumatic for them. It was like so, if tomorrow you find out that I was the smart one and you're the good looking one. Nick, we've always known that you're both the smart and the good <laughs> Oh, and you're obviously the nicest and sweetest. No. Oh, but the biggest lie. No. It's true. It's true. I did get the lying gene. Um <laughs> so so then we get the, you know, Bor- uh, Picard lands on the cube and we have uh, probably my favorite scene. Just you can feel the anxiety coming off of him over how traumatic it is to be back on a board cube. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, what? like literally the scene of the worst thing that ever happened to him in his entire life. And this is a guy who's like, crazy stuff's happened to him. Like, he's had a wild life, and this is the worst part. And, and intimately, back. not like all his knowledge is intimate. Like, uh, later we see that everything just floods back into them as they walk around the cube. And, oh, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the fear that he was exuding was just you know, palpable. Um, it made me feel scared. You know, I was like, don't do it. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Let's stay right there. Yep. Uh, yep. But anyway, it, what, it was a powerful scene. I thought it was awesome. It really was. And Patrick Stewart, I mean, he is a masterful actor. And I think what he was able to portray here was just so strong. Um, I just, I love the design of the cube, uh, the, the interior of the board cube, the, the updates they've done to it. It looks so cool. The the way they were cutting in the like little memories of him, you know, interacting with Borg and like the old episodes of, of the show and the movies and stuff. It was just, it was so good. It was so anxiety inducing. And then the way, like, 
the Borg grab him, but they didn't grab him to hurt him. They grabbed him to keep him from falling, and he's freaking out. And then it takes Hugh with this friendly face to kind of calm him down because he was, in addition to what, like being back on the Borg cube, he was not back on the Borg cube with his crew. He was not back on the Borg cube with with Elmore as backup. He was back in the board cube alone. Alone. Totally alone. Yeah. Just, but thankfully Hugh shows up and just the rapport between those two is so great. Just the immediate warmth, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause like Hugh in probably in some ways, like, like, like Picard is a major figure in his life, you know, like he was the one that helped give him uh, independence and give him autonomy and then gave him a second chance whenever, you know, in the episode where like, lore took over a big crew of borg including hugh and like kind of pushed hugh to be a leader among the borg like picard's a big figure in this guy's life and of course he's so excited to see him back it was it was great just so in in those flashbacks you see the female borg the queen borg Mm -hmm. that uh, i guess she was the queen of the the cube that uh picard was assimilated into what's the story with her yeah, she is from Star the movie Star Trek First Contact. Right. Um, which is where they introduced the concept of a Borg queen, which is, I don't know how much it really adds to the idea. I kind of like the idea of the Borg all being essentially identical, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so so basically she was, uh, they traveled, God, I, I need to rewatch First Contact, but basically a Borg cube travels back in time to try to beat the humans uh, when they're before they have like warp capacity so that they don't have to fight them in the future right um and also specifically this borg queen is trying to get picard to come back to be lacutus of borg again and trying to convince him to become uh one with the the borg again um and she so was definitely was different like she had a like a uh like a uh succubus personality yeah um yeah, but at the same time, I think that was probably... I've always interpreted it more as, like, that was just the Borg, like, collective consciousness, how they were trying to trying to uh, get something from Picard, you know? Um, rather than something that, like, she is... She, rather than her being kind of an independent force or, or, like, an actual, like, leader within the organization, it's more that she is just a, a specific uh, form the Borg take on for this scenario. Um, but again, that's just how I interpreted it. It was never really clear exactly why they had a queen and what that queen meant or what that queen did. Well, um, this but yeah, but episode would seem to support that she is important beyond the uh, beyond the rest of the cube. Yeah, you know, as you get further into the scene, yeah, um, yeah, that's true. They go to the queen cell, but anyway, um, but yeah, so he he gets there and, and he runs into uh, uh, Hugh. And Hugh gives him the tour, and it was an yeah. anxiety-inducing tour. Yeah, but also, like, a really emotionally affecting one, too, you know? Like, this exploration of what it means to have been Borg, but now not be Borg, but still be treated as Borg, you know? And just watching these people, like, be deborged and kind of healed and brought back and brought out of it, I thought that was all pretty, uh, pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, and, you know, the making the point that what they're doing there is good and they're showing people that the Borg individuals are not the enemy. They're the victims, the real victims. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But the, the it kind of turned me around, did a 180 as to some of the things I had been thinking about the 
reclamation project in and of itself. I was thinking that it was a reclamation project of the computer components and the hardware and technology of the Borg. But it seems to be, or at least the face that Hugh runs, it's a reclamation of the individuals um, from the hardware of the Borg. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right, though, that from the Romulan perspective, they're reclaiming the Borg's hardware. But from the from Hughes' perspective, they are reclaiming the, the, the people that have been turned into Borg. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so after that incredible sequence, we actually have a, a, another really great one, which was Narek um, ex, uh, beginning this medita- special Romulan meditation with Soji. Um, and I, like, I thought it was a really, really cool sequence, this, like, room that they're in. She has to kind of walk this little like labyrinth shape going through this dream kind of using this as a way to like lucid dream to try to like get information from the dream i thought it was fascinating and it looked really cool so i i really liked the scene too but i couldn't help but wonder what kind of romulan magic was going on because he seemed to have real-time like knowledge of her dream as you know as vivid as she had while it was going on and it made me kind of wonder if it was uh, analogous to a Vulcan mind melt um, whatever power they were using Um, and you know brings up why why don't people do Vulcan mind melts why why isn't isn't that something that Narek does to her originally Um, well I think to your point they never make it explicit in the show but I think you are probably right that at least it's supposed to sort of be the same thing or at least a different version of the same thing. Because mm-hmm. the, the Romulans, like, I don't think can do a Vulcan mind meld. Like, it's a, I don't know if it's like just a skill they don't develop or what, but I don't believe that's ever happened. Um, but at the same time, like, they have these kind of like low level psychic abilities just like Vulcans because they are the same species. You know, they only diverged a couple thousand years ago. Um, so you would expect them to have something adjacent or you know and similar in some way to 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 the uh, Vulcan mind mills. So I think your idea that this is kind of doing something similar makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. but yeah they never really make that explicit though um, but it was certainly cool yeah yeah and and it, 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 I was gonna ask is there any canon about this or is this something that's brand new to the best of my knowledge this is made made brand new for this show okay yeah um so I really liked uh, specifically when the, the end, the later part of the sequence where she like sees herself as a doll, sees uh, her dad, but his face is just like a blur. That was so legitimately creepy, like yeah. horror movie creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot about this episode that was horror movie like. Like it was dark. Yeah. It was you know made to just be emotional um and and, and powerful but uh yeah but yeah that that was creepy and it wasn't the creepiest part at least for soji i i imagine yeah totally so while that's ha- while they're going through that kind of uh, meditation process picard and hugh go to enter you know they just like walk into her room like they don't even knock on the door they just show up see her stuff everywhere and go oh no I, you know, which was kind of funny, but I did notice in the background, there's really, uh, there was something, a voice in the background, like over the intercom saying something to the effect of like something about warning, 
we have detected chronometric particles or something. So I wonder if there's some time travel stuff going on uh, that where they're kind of hinting at. Um, I don't know what that means, but eh. I didn't hear that. I'll have to go back and give it another viewing. Um, Yeah. Hmm. So I don't see where time travel would fall into it. Me Um, neither, but who knows? Yeah. But no, that was weird whenever they walked in, but it was an obvious way to bring Picard up to speed as to where she was in her, what was going on with her. Um, yeah. without them, you know, being in direct contact with each other. Cause that's, I mean, I, I, Hugh didn't get it, I guess, but he saw something and thought it was weird. And Picard with that knowledge that he had, that she isn't, you know, a, a real person. He's like, well, that's obviously what she's doing. You know? Uh, yeah. All the yeah, because, keepsakes and things thrown about. Yeah. Cause you're right. Like, he, you know, Hugh and Soji know each other. Like, they've been co-workers for a while now. I mean, it's not explicit how long, but, like, probably months at least, you know? Um, so, yeah. 37 uh, months? So, uh, at least, uh, at most, 37 months. So maybe a little bit uh, less than that, but not much. It couldn't be more. So after uh, Soji looks up in the sky and sees two moons, or two red moons, they figure out, exactly the planet she's from and uh, then there tries to kill her um i did like that the uh instead of just like blasting her or something he like drops the killer box to give her this like poetic death with the radiation coming out i thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and then she just like it finally triggers her and she just goes beast mode and tears through the floor and that ruled yeah uh this but you know before that you know basically well so like his sister was making fun of him for actually falling mm-hmm. in love with Soji. And you weren't clear whether that was the case or not. It seemed legit. But then whenever he takes her into the room and he t- reveals his name, he's like, my name is Ryle. <laughs> and then he says yeah. it like three times. He's like, Ryle. <laughs> but anyway, you know, he was, he was, you know, revealing himself. He was exposing yeah. himself to her. And, uh, it was, it was, deep and shows his commitment to the cause because then he does you know throw her in there with a with a little uh, uh, a little bit of a radiation let her die or maybe he did that because he didn't want her to actually die he just wanted plausible oh he knew that she wouldn't actually die since she's not a organic life yeah or well I mean one of the things like maybe it actually could kill her if it if it worked but he knew it would cause her to go beast mode and activate, and then she would like bust her way out, or at least she would have a chance to do that, right? Even if she didn't actually do it, she at least had a chance. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious because you know maybe there's maybe there's more to him than we think. I I don't you know, but I think it's possible. Um, thinking thinking about uh, the organic life and it not being hurt by radiation, that's not true because in uh, that movie about the um, Russian. Uh, nuclear power plant that uh, had a meltdown Chernobyl Chernobyl yeah in the in the the series they use the little tank the cop tanks and stuff and those all get destroyed almost immediately by the radiation so hmm. that's you know uh, uh, the end of that well, and she's also she's also an organic android you know like she's made okay. out of meat you know she's not like she's artificial but she is not 
not like a Terminator on the inside. She's yeah, she's not like a Terminator on the inside. She's made out of flesh and bone, just artificial flesh and bone. Okay, all right. I guess in that case, probably more like one of the androids from Westworld or something. Um, okay, which if you haven't seen it, it's it's all right. I've um, seen Westworld. The first season was dynamite. The second season was anticlimactic. Yeah. I, I, I skipped. I, I heard what... I, I, that was basically the consensus was the second season. Meh. And so uh, I never bothered. Yeah. So one thing I did notice after, you know, Hugh and Picard chased you know, chase her down and catch up with her and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when they're running through a hallway, some guy just, like, looks at him and goes, Lacutus? Yeah. To Picard. And, and I thought that was both, like... Which, on the one hand, it makes sense, right? Like, he is the famous ex-Borg. They, they're going to know who he is. But at the same time, like, is, is that, like, is that guy, does he mean anything? Is that a guy that's going to show up later? Is that a guy that's going to help him out? Like, it just seemed like, uh, I don't know. I'm just curious. I don't, I don't really have anything to say other than I'm curious if that guy's going to show up again. Um, so they run, they escape, they get to this emergency long-distance transportation device, which is a, a fun, uh, a fun get-out-of-jail-free card for the show. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it was, um, one thing I did notice that they says it was like from the Sakarians, which, uh, I had never heard of, but I looked it up and that was actually in Star Trek Voyager. There was an episode where Voyager meets these people who have this technology, uh, called the Sakarians and they, you know, but they won't let Voyager use it to go home or something. And anyway, um, so clearly those people, after not helping out Voyager, got taken over by the Borg. So I thought that so was a funny little callback. She, she... They did say that it was reserved only for the Queen. Yeah. I, I wonder what the Borg would be saving it for. It, does it have some inherent dangers that we don't know about? And maybe that's one of the reasons why you know, they, they don't go straight to... Nep- What's the name of the, the planet? Nepeth is the planet they go to. And that is an, not a planet. That, that is a new planet for the show. They do not explain why they're going there. Okay. If it's not something that we've heard of before either, um, I mean, my guess is maybe, maybe like like that, um, the uh, the transportation, the long distance transportation device that it uses too much energy, or uh, you know, using it at the scale that um, could ship the entire board cube is too much. Um, but they can do a small scale version to send like you know the queen to escape if the cube is being um, about to be destroyed, like that seems reasonable to me but yeah you're right they never explain why they have it and they don't use it for just day-to-day moving around the galaxy yeah um, but it was cool yeah. it looked like a it was cool. uh, halo uh uh portal <laughs> yeah i haven't played halo or, well i haven't played much halo i think i played a little bit of it when i like on the xbox original xbox in like 2001 but that was well, like, yeah and that's what i'm thinking of it you know it yeah. could look nothing like that it's just kind of what that reminds me of yeah at the time yeah so, right as they're about to escape, some Romulan guards show up, and then our favorite ninja elf shows up and finally gets to do some killer shit. Yeah, without being treated treated like a, a comic relief, it was it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't quite know why he felt like he had to stay behind, but I guess it does take. I guess not. You know, maybe it does make sense. Like they want to make sure that 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 the Romulans can't follow them through the teleporter. So I guess it does make sense to try to hold them off. And I think also that. Basically, that would have been the end of it. Like his, what he had signed on for, like that was it. To find her and get her out of danger, mm-hmm. immediate danger, you know. And then 
You know, that could have been it. Because I, I thought about that. Like, what did he really need to stay there for? Because as soon as that door closed, they're not going to be able to get back in without Hugh letting them in or another Borg letting them in. And then how are they going to operate Borg technology that none of them have ever seen before? Uh, and But I guess potentially they could, but it wouldn't be quick. I don't know why he would think he needs to sacrifice his life. But Picard seemed to be willing to, like, all right, whatever. Again. Yeah. Yeah, he has still, like you said, been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty blase with everyone except for Soji. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not true. He, he, he says, you know, I release you from your pledge. So he's at least giving Eleanor a chance to say, to not die. Donald Trump donated $100,000 of his presidential salary to (laughs) coronavirus uh, research or something. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's legit. (laughs) That's true. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Um, Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was a a pretty cool end to the show. And really, I really hope that um, Eleanor and Hugh live to fight another day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm really curious what's going to happen with Hugh and the rest of the ex-Borgs that are on that cube. Are the Romulans going to, like, round them up and imprison them? Or, like, clearly they're not going to trust you anymore. Um, so I'm curious yeah. how that goes. Or yeah, are the Borgs... They gonna... show a little bit of that in the the preview of this week's episode, but... Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I wonder what happens. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think I said my favorite line, which was uh, Rafi saying, I'm still planning on drinking myself to death, <laughs> which is a very fun in dark line. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm, well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the next episode tomorrow. I think it's like, I want to know where, I want to know the planet they went to. I want to know how everybody escaped, everyone else escapes from this Romulan board cube. Like, they're clearly all in deep doo doo. And uh, it, this is going to be, it's going to be fun seeing them get out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. I hope that Elnor turns into just like a ghost going around slaying folks around the Borg cube. Um, yeah. Because he dropped out of the middle of nowhere again. Apparently he's good at that and cut some heads off. So I can see him leaving Hugh to his, his, uh, his own defenses and saying, all right, I'm going to go make some trouble. Yep. Maybe uh, maybe while um, Picard and Soji are off doing whatever Picard and Soji need to do, we're going to see, like, everyone else uh, on the Borg cube um, and uh, helping, like, the Borg kick the Romulans out or something like that. We're going to have, like, some Borg versus Romulan action. Um, maybe maybe Hugh's going to fire up that Borg cube again, and they can use that to, to chase after somebody. Well, I bet uh, the, I mean, the lady that Soji communicated with with the tarot cards is gonna oh, yeah. be the end result of whatever happens so oh, either yeah um she's gonna say romulans now i'm in charge borg now i'm in charge or she's gonna lead the borg revolt against the romulans and then Narek and his sister are gonna be chased away and then uh elnor in the end is gonna have to kill Narek. um i hope so but Anyway, well, you know, I don't think he's going to kill Narek. I think Narek will survive and maybe be redeemed, but his sister is definitely going to get murked. Well, she's going to she she's paired up with Rafi in the end, and Narek. I guess Narek could fight uh, Rios, but more likely Elnor. Um, I'm or maybe 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 the sister Narek's sister. She seems to be more of the combat model, so maybe she Mm -hmm. and Elnor fight. 
Um, and that's how she gets taken out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that's she's going to be uh, Elnor's uh, first big kill. You know, gotcha. of, a, of a name. He's the first named character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, look forward to seeing the next, next episode, and I will, we, can, we will see you all next week. Later, guys. I mean, bye, Edward. <laughs>